Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is Wednesday, our midweek show. And that means we take a look at the Packers' upcoming opponent in a little bit more detail. And that, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be a 3.25 p.m. kickoff Sunday from AT&T Stadium down there in Texas. And, you know, we always start these examinations of the opponent with the guy who sort of jumps off the page is where it all starts. And I think it's pretty obvious with the Dallas Cowboys, and certainly when you look at what happened to the Cowboys last week and how they lost to the New Orleans Saints, it all starts with Ezekiel Elliott with this team, doesn't it? It does. I, You know, Danny Vitale had those... Uh you know, make fullbacks great again hats. <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a whole political thing, but I, I thought it was kind of cute, you know, with, with fullbacks if it kind of had to go through. Right. Ezekiel Elliott, for me personally, I don't know how about the outside world feels about this. Zeke Elliott changed my perspective on the running back position. Because there was a time, probably as recently as five years ago, where I was like, I wonder if we've seen the last time we're going to see a running back taken in the first round. You know, just because there's sort of been this devaluation of the position and thoughts that, okay, well, you can find these guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, undrafted free agents, the Alfred Morris of the world. You can find your franchise running back anywhere. Yeah. And then you see a guy like Zeke Elliott come into the league and just flip everything on its head. I think it now Saquon Barkley, this new guard at the running back position. And I'll say this personally speaking, it's very difficult with you know this new constraints of the CBA for these running backs to kind of get what they feel their value is. I have a lot of respect for how Zeke Elliott approached the situation this offseason. Kudos to Dallas for recognizing this is our franchise player. We have to take care of him. Everything we're going to talk about here in the next 20 minutes, Mike, it starts with Zeke Elliott. The passing game, the momentum, the just the confidence of this unit and how they play together starts with what he does in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, it all stems off of that, and there's a reason – quite frankly, that Zeke Elliott got a contract extension yeah. before Amari Cooper did, before Dak Prescott did. I mean, this is the guy, right, on the offensive side of the ball. And there's just no way to replace him. I no. mean, I think – now, they do have a nice prospect here in uh, Tony Pollard that they brought in. He, You know, he's had a couple yeah. carries and looked good. he's done good. some nice things. But you have to understand, and you know, the way that this offense is set up, and, and credit to Kellen Moore and the, the job that those offensive coaches are doing right now, but everything is set up on Zeke Elliott – in making defenses commit to stopping him. The play-action game of Dak Prescott, the downfield passing options for Amari Cooper, it all starts with Elliott. And I just, I think, you know, the numbers are not huge. It's not going to be the six yards per carry average that, you know, it's just going to wow you right off the bat. But, boy, does he remind me a lot of, you know, when you look at Emmett Smith and the way that he just sort of plowed through defenses and wore teams down over four quarters, Elliott brings that dimension. Yeah, well, I think the question with Zeke Elliott heading into this game is because he's coming off of really one of the worst games of his career in terms of the yards per carry, the number of carries he was given what ended up being, was it 18, 18. for 35, 35 yards? yards. So not even, not even two yards per carry with essentially a, a full workload realistically speaking, against the New Orleans Saints. So my question to you is, Wes, does this just mean Ezekiel Elliott, regardless of who the opponent is this week when he's coming off of a game like that, is ready to bust out? Or are there things that the Packers can look at what the New Orleans Saints did? Because this is not the same Packers defense that has had trouble with Elliott in the past. Whether the Packers have won or lost the game, Elliott has always kind of done his thing against Green Bay. So... 
How do you see this now heading into this Week 5 matchup with where the Packers' defense is and the struggles against the run and with where Elliott is coming off of one of the more forgettable performances of his career? One of the really strange things about Zeke Elliott, for as much as I just said about him and, and how accomplished he's been in his first 3.5 seasons here in the NFL, is that he has these performances every once, you know, basically once a season, maybe twice a season where – they just don't get the ground game going. It's happened during each of his four NFL seasons to this point. But one of the things you understand about him is he bounced back quickly. Mm. And, you know, that's not to say, you know, you look at where the Packers are at, they have to bounce back as well coming off the performance that they had uh, last week when they had, to, you know, two stiff challenges with what Denver was throwing at them and what Philly was throwing at them. Both of these, I think both of these units, both, you know, the run game for Dallas and, and Green Bay's run defense – I don't want to call it a crossroads by many means, but they want to, you know, get a little bit of momentum back to what they're doing, and ultimately, only one's going to prevail in this matchup. I just think, you know, when you look at Elliott, I, I wish I could really give you a nice X's and O breakdown for what New Orleans did to take him away. Yeah. My initial thought, though, is they just gang tackled really well. They filled their gaps, and there just wasn't a lot of holes for him to seep through into that second level. And you look at the first two games again. 100-yard performances, but it wasn't like it was carried on the back of a 60-yard run. It was just a lot of grinding out those yards, and they just didn't get them in that matchup. Green Bay, conversely, coming off a game where there weren't a whole lot of big, massive breakdowns, but there was enough penetration in that second level that it really hurt them against the Eagles. It's going to be a gut check for both of these units. Yeah, I think I think that's what makes this matchup really intriguing because uh, we've been hearing from the Packers' defense. they they believe, they know they can stop the run better than they have. They don't feel like that is the kind of defense that they plan to be and that they will be as the season goes along. This is as uh, as tough a test as it gets. Now you flip it to the Cowboys' passing game, and Amari Cooper, the top target, obviously, for Dak Prescott. Right. Now, Michael Gallup started the season with a couple of pretty good games. He was over 200 yards through the first two games of the season, but now he's missed the last two contests. I'm not sure what his injury status is at this we're point. Gonna find has out, there been any word? We're going to find out this week. The nice thing about when you play the Cowboys is Jerry Jones always has something to say. So <laughs> He's been saying that they're not ruling out Gallup. Um, I actually really think it would be cool if he played in this game because you want to talk about Elvis Witted and the job he did at Colorado State. Gallup was one of those one of those receivers that That's came right. to his program. That's right. Uh, so seeing him, if he could, you know, both of those guys now at the next level would be neat to see. But we're going to see exactly what he can work through this week. But typically, typically, and we'll see exactly what the injury reports look like, when they always say we're not ruling out somebody, I always take that as a doubtful designation. So yeah. we'll see exactly how it shuffles out. But – you know, at the very least, Jerry Jones is leaving that door open for him. Well, the other targets with Gallup out the last couple of weeks, aside from Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott has the former Packer Randall Cobb working out of the slot. He's also got the veteran tight end Jason Witten, who's gone from the field to the Monday Night Football booth and back to the field over the course of the last couple of years. Now, those guys really getting you know, three or four catches a game, nothing that would qualify as, as game-breaking in the passing game. But uh, veteran players who know what it takes, and you always wonder, you know, Randall Cobb was a fan favorite around here, yeah. bit of a media favorite around here as well, really good guy to talk to. 
But you wonder, you know, will that little chip maybe be on his shoulder because the Packers didn't show that interest in bringing him back and uh, and he found a contract somewhere else? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, everybody approaches it a little differently, right? I remember what it was like trying to cover this team when Greg Jennings went to the Vikings. And then there's other times where T.J. Lang was with Detroit, and you remember those conference calls, and it was just all kind of cool and yeah. fun. And, you know, everybody handles these situations differently. I mean, Randall Cobb, I mean, he's on that, that Mount Rushmore of receivers that Aaron Rodgers played with. And you talk about the trust factor and, and what the relationship that those two guys had. Um, you, you can't really overstate it. Um, they, I mean, they, they had a chemistry there that is not only hard to you know achieve between any kind of quarterback and receiver, but what just was what was truly special. I think they stood, you know, I think Rogers, if I remember correctly, stood up in Randall's wedding. I mean, they had that kind of friendship yeah. together. Yeah. Now, that being said, um, he came out of the gates in week one and looked really good. I mean, he had a nice touchdown there. I think that came off sort of a post route through the middle of the field. Last couple weeks, they've had a more difficult time getting him going. For the first time ever, the Packers are going to have to worry about him in the kickoff and punt return games. That's an area that the the Cowboys have been using him in. And then lastly, that slot position has been very important for the Cowboys over the years, especially during the Dak Prescott era. Now, last year, Cole Beasley kind of fell off a little bit, but before that, he was one of their primary targets in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of the role that Cobb has stepped into. So seeing how he fills that throughout the course of the year and in this matchup will be intriguing to watch and how exactly – Packers want to defend him. Is that going to be Tremont Williams lining up across from him? That's kind of an interesting dynamic. (laughs) And then just to touch on Jason Witten, he had the regrettable fumble last week. I'm sure he's going to want that back. But watching that game, man, uh, against the Saints, what Jason Witten does now at 36 or however old he is, it's not predicated on speed anymore, right? It's not predicated. It hasn't been for a long time, frankly, it's, and that's not taking anything no. away from him. But even before he retired that first time, he was he was not the seam stretcher right. that he was earlier in his career. But he adapted. In, in the real good tight ends in this league, the Tony Gonzalez's of the world, they adapt their skill sets to fit their time and their career in both the time and the play style. Yeah. And just seeing Witten get back into this thing, he is. You mentioned it's only been two or three catches here and there, but it's been touchdowns. It's been, you know... Uh, moving the chains type of plays he's just that old war horse that just kind of keeps dredging on and um yeah he's a guy that the Packers definitely have to be cognizant of because while it might only be two or three catches those catches a lot of times have some meaningful impacts on football games yeah well before we get to the Cowboys defense here real quickly Wes select cousin subs locations are now offering delivery whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, with regards to the Cowboys' defense, the Packers, you look at 2016 in the playoffs, 2017 going down, winning a pair of last-second type football games. This is a different Cowboys defense. Yeah. They have rebuilt things. They have revamped things on that side of the ball. I think it starts with Jalen Smith, another guy they gave a new contract to yeah. before they even looked at their quarterback, which says something about uh, how they feel about what he has done. And a great story with everything that he came back from, uh, from the college injury and where he was taken in the draft and, and everything that uh, that had started to go wrong for him, so to speak, there. He's right where a lot of people thought he would be if he had never gotten hurt, and he is really the centerpiece of a much-improved Dallas Cowboys defense. Yeah, I mean, I really think of this as when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, if you're like saying, okay, you got to pick out you know, who goes on the program cover, who's the, the highlight of this defense, it's Jalen Smith. Just because of his skill, his size, his speed, his athleticism, 
it brings a different dimension to that team that they'd been kind of missing in this interim basis, as we talked about with, you know, Sean Lee working through the injuries that he had to work through and the different versions of this defense and how Rod Marinelli for many years had to kind of just make all these things fit when maybe they didn't have the top-of-the-line talent that they yeah. might have needed to make a true championship run. Right. Jalen Smith is that player. I also think Leighton Vander Esch, you know, a couple weeks ago I think I was talking to you about, uh, you know, Darnell Savage. And I've always been – I actually wrote this in Inbox is where it came from. I've always been sort of leery of climbers, guys that maybe weren't picked as first-round picks or second-round picks, but then th- right after the combine up until when, you know, April comes around, they just jet up the charts. Yeah, yeah. Darnell Savage is a guy that has sort of changed that for me. Leighton Vander Esch is another one. Uh, a few years back, you know, I remember going to the combine. I, w- I want to say Leighton Vander Esch was guesstimated to be like a third-round pick. That sounds definitely about right. a day two pick. Yeah, and then he just climbed the charts, man. And I think him and Smith are really bright future, you know, playmakers in that defense and what they want to do. And then they got you know the old veterans there too. You know, the Robert Quinn's of the world, and certainly Dexter Lawrence has been a playmaker for them for a number of years. So Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence. Wow, it's okay. Demarcus Lawrence has been there for. It's a already number been years. a long week. But yeah, that's I right. know. But, um, you know, they, I think they just have a really good blend of, of some veteran talent and some really young playmakers that are pretty exciting. Yeah, and well, Jeff Heath, who's just, Jeff Heath is always just in the mix, too, with them. Yeah. He, <laughs> it, it seems like he's been there for a long time, and I'm not even that familiar with his career. But, of course, I remember, I remember him mostly from that 2016 playoff game yeah. down there because he had a big interception of Rodgers, but then he also had uh, – uh, a sack of Rodgers right. where somehow Rodgers still hung onto the ball and didn't turn it over. He was a, a big uh, factor in that game for the Dallas Cowboys. But some matchups that will be interesting here, Wes, because we don't know the status of Devontae Adams. Right. So obviously if he is absent, that will change completely how the Cowboys decide to match up with the Packers receiving core. And then you mentioned a guy like Demarcus Lawrence, the uh, the top edge rusher for the Cowboys. We don't know the status of Brian Balaga with his – shoulder injury at this point and whether the Packers will have to adjust if Alex Light will be stepping in potentially at right tackle and then what that does to the game plan and, right. and if he if you need to scheme some things to help him out in certain situations. So um, um, a lot of really going into this game, it seems like there, there are a lot of questions with regards to injuries because, uh, you know, the injuries – on the list right now are to such prominent players. Kevin King won for the Packers that we're not sure of his status on defense when you're talking about Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb and and whether or not Michael Gallup is going to play. So a lot of questions here as we head into this game as to just what I guess the really primary key matchups are going to be depending on who's on the field. Yeah, and then Devontae Adams just seeing exactly what what that's going to look like and if Adams isn't out there, how – does both Matt LaFleur and then also uh, for the Cowboys, how they move their chess pieces around and who plays where. The the big thing I think is going to be especially how Green Bay's run front, as we talked about, matches up with the trenches of the Cowboys. And the reason I point that out, one of the other aspects we didn't really get a chance to talk about with the offense is that, you know, you have Cameron Fleming, who's been a veteran. He's been around, I think, for five, six years now. He's the guy that steps in at left tackle if Smith doesn't go. But beyond that, I mean, you still got – Travis Frederick, you still got Zach Martin, and yeah. then uh, Lel Collins, all very accomplished players and have been in, solidified in that scheme for a number of years. That's busy work for Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry in that defensive front. And on the other side of it, 
depending on what happens with Brian Balaga, how the Packers handle what they're going to be thrown at from the Cowboys' perspective. I, I just think probably one-on-one matchups-wise, um, seeing exactly what happens with Kevin King this week and where that's going to be at, and soft tissue injuries are so tricky, as we know, and we've talked about it so often. Um, if he's unable to go, depending on what's happening with Will Redmond, that's where it starts to get a little sticky because then you're really getting into your depth. Yeah. Well, quickly before we go, I just want to get your overall take on where you think this Cowboys team is because there was so much talk last week as they're heading into New Orleans for a tough primetime assignment at the Superdome Sunday Night Football and all that, that the Cowboys were 3-0, but they had beaten three teams, the Giants before the Giants went to their rookie quarterback and Daniel Jones, who's helped turn things around for them a little bit. They beat Washington. They beat Miami, two teams that don't have any victories yet through the first quarter of the season. And then the Saints obviously were without Drew Brees, but the Cowboys didn't get the job done. They scored only 10 points in a, in a tough road game. So all those questions about, okay, just how for real, so to speak, are the Dallas Cowboys in 2019, they're still kind of hanging out there. What do you think? It's funny. So you know I'm a big MMA guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So before, not everybody just goes to the UFC. Mike Spofford wants to become a professional writer. You don't go right to the UFC. You do this regional promotions, right? <laughs> and a lot of times on these regional promotions, you're taking on guys who are 5 and 28 or, you know, 0 and 6, and you're kind of building up your resume. In a way, I kind of view that as what the Cowboys were doing those first three weeks of the season. They looked great. They did everything they were supposed to do against teams they were supposed to beat. They were supposed to hammer the Giants. They did. They were supposed to hammer Washington. They did. And certainly (laughs) we know the story right now with the Miami Dolphins. Right. Now that game, as I was saying last week, if Marv would be able to replay the film, I was saying (laughs) that was the big litmus test for them against the Saints going into New Orleans. And you can view that one of two ways. You can view it as you only put up 10 points against the Saints, or you could view it that you were the first team to not concede a touchdown to a Sean Payton offense in the Superdome, I think, during his entire tenure, at least during a Saints victory. Yeah. So you kind of get a little of both. I think the one thing I learned is that their defense, they can win games with their defense if they have to. Yeah. It didn't work out for them in that game, but, I mean, they are very dynamic, uh, especially with how they play together. But it's interesting because they have this game against the Packers, and then you're going up against the Jets, who have a lot of issues, and then you really got a big you know, test against the Eagles. I think we're going to learn a lot, about, we're gonna learn about, a lot about Green Bay, too, but I think we're going to learn a lot about the Cowboys in this game. Yeah, well, I think the NFC East, from what we've seen so far, I mean, maybe Daniel Jones really starts to light the world on fire and with Saquon Barkley and everything really starts to go another direction for the Giants. But I think, based on what we've seen so far... The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be duking this yeah. out for the NFC East Championship, right. right, for the NFC East title. The Packers already got a taste of the Eagles. They came in here licking some of their wounds a little bit, and uh, and they took care of business against Green Bay. Now a Cowboys team is, uh, is licking some of uh, its wounds, but yet the Packers are now in that same in that same boat where uh, you know the momentum, that early season momentum, has worn off a little bit. The winning streak is over. Now you gotta you gotta dust yourself off and and get back to it. This is, you know, you don't want to put too much emphasis, obviously, on a week five game. 
But at the end of the day, one of these teams is going to be four and one, and one of them is going to be three and right. two, and it's going to be a big shift in the way things look uh, as we head towards the middle of the season in the NFC, the whole, the overall NFC picture. Well, and Mike, let's just take away the records even for a minute. If you're the Green Bay Packers and you beat the Chicago Bears, I mean, we saw how Minnesota looked at Soldier Field. Yeah. If you beat the Chicago Bears on their turf, that's a big win. Yep, that's a big feather in your cap. Then you go down to AT&T Stadium, which, by the way, spoiler alert, history notice, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers had a lot of success there. Yeah. If you get that victory, I, it's not even about the 4-1 record. It's the fact that you've picked up two big road wins in the conference against teams perceived to be contenders. So I think that's the biggest storyline here. But as you also pointed out, there is a big difference between being 4-1 and one and 3-2, and two, especially in this conference right now where yeah. there is so many teams kind of in that lock jam. So I, I just I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere. It's gonna be a fun game to watch. And again, I, I just I see so much being on the line for a week five matchup. You obviously take everything with a grain of salt because things can change quickly in this league, but I, I just I really do believe that this thing is can really establish a solid contender who prevails in this matchup. Well, if you want drama, Packers-Cowboys at AT&T Stadium, it always brings it, right? Whether you're talking the Matt Flynn comeback game in 2013, the 2016 playoff game that goes right down to the wire, or the 2017 regular season game that goes right down to the wire. So, uh, you know, history says this one's going to be a a pretty exciting ball game, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. It's funny you bring up the 2013 one, too, because I think that – 26 to 3 or whatever that was at yeah, halftime. It was I mean, 26 that was to 3 at the half. One of the more remarkable comebacks, obviously, without having Aaron Rodgers. Matt Flynn played out of his mind in that second half. Eddie Lacy looked phenomenal. It's it's amazing when you actually do like start to look at the totality of these last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Packers have actually had some pretty big wins, notwithstanding the Super Bowl, but actually against the you know the Dallas Cowboys on their own turf. Yeah, the Cowboys have actually had more success coming in here to Lambeau yeah. than they have against the Packers in their own building. So uh, you wonder if that's in the back of their minds as well. But with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you will. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.